0: If you find yourself thinking that's too hard or I've tried it and it doesn't work or but you don't know my kids or that will never work then your thoughts are not biblical and it's no wonder you feel hopeless but please don't shortchange God welcome to truth love parents where we use God's word to become intentional premeditated parents here's your host a.m. Brewster After yesterday's little break, I am excited to finish this series on how you can have overwhelming peace in your parenting. I get it. You're tired, frustrated, afraid, annoyed, angry, and sad. Your kids aren't listening, and some of them are actually actively attacking you and God. But you can have peace. You've been commanded to have peace, and God provides you everything you need for peace but you're going to have to work for it. See, peace is promised to and expected from every believer, but you'll never experience it if you don't submit yourself to God's will for your life and parenting. So, let's look at the fourth peace prerequisite today. Now, over the past couple weeks, we've seen that peace is a conditional promise of divine soul rest, powerful enough to overcome all feelings of doubt, depression, anxiety, and anger in your parenting. The first piece of prerequisite is that we must fulfill our responsibility to God by finding our soul joy in Him. The second prerequisite is that we must fulfill our responsibility to others by showing our gentleness in all things, because not only is God in us, He is returning soon to collect us unto Himself. The third requirement is that we must fulfill our responsibility to ourselves by not being anxious, but instead taking all of our cares and anxieties to God in humble and thankful trust that He will work in and through them as He's promised. And when we are faithful to obey God, we saw the divine peace promise that that stations a spiritual guard over our thoughts and desires, under the ultimate authority of none other than Jesus Christ Himself. And that's where we pick up today in our study. And in pure Pauline fashion, it's kind of as if Paul realizes there's one more important thing he has to say to the Philippians on the subject of peace. He wraps back around and lays out a fourth and fifth peace prerequisite, followed by a second peace promise. This fourth peace prerequisite is our responsibility to reality. In order to have real abiding peace, we have a responsibility to God, others, and ourselves, but we also have a responsibility to keep our thoughts in line with reality. No failure philosophy is allowed. This passage is a familiar one to most of us, but it mustn't be sped over. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute... If there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And that's Philippians 4.8. You see, anxiety, depression, anger, and doubt all stem from unbiblical thinking. Anxiety grows out of inordinate concern about the possible quote unquote bad outcomes of a situation or decision. It's going to be too hard for my child at their new school. We'll never pay off our debts. What if my son never comes back to God? Depression springs from the fertile soil of sad thinking. I'll never see that smiling boy again. My child hates me. I can't be a good mom. Anger breeds in selfish mindsets. I've been at work all day. Why can't they just be quiet? That's not yours. Who do you think you are? And doubt flies up from the lack of trust. I don't know what to do. No one cares about mom. There is no good choice. But when we can control our thoughts through the power of God, we strip the soil of our minds of the sinfulness that leads to a lack of peace. So what types of thoughts produce peace? Well, only thoughts grounded in the reality that God created. You see, our thoughts must be, first of all, true. This word is the same one Jesus used to introduce divine truth. It encompasses all of God's absolute, unchanging, and inerrant truth. Therefore, we must know his truth in order to dwell on it. This brings peace, for when a question sprouts, the truth of God hidden in our hearts provides the answer. Also, by rejecting lies, deception, and failure philosophies, we shelter ourselves from the types of thoughts that lead to self-worship, anxiety, and doubt. Listen, don't lie to yourself by assuming your child will never change. Don't lie to yourself by justifying your selfish anger. Number two, our thoughts need to be honorable. When we think on that which is good, admirable, and deserving of high esteem— we prepare our minds for peace. Honor is a vanishing species in our age. To be respected and highly esteemed for Christ-honoring reasons is almost unheard of, but when we think of honorable things, it's as if the lyrics of From the Sound of Music almost seem biblical. When the dog bites, when the bee stings, when I'm feeling sad, I simply remember my favorite things, and then I don't feel Biblically speaking, when we deny base thoughts, it provides a freshness that allows the high thoughts of God to run free. Proverbs 19.18 talks about the way we think. It says, do not set your heart on putting your son to death. It's saying here that you need to think right about the situation. So what honorable ways has God called you to parent your children? Think on those instead our thoughts also need to be right. Don't let your mind dwell on wickedness. This is incredibly difficult when we slake our psyches with filth from the soiled wells of modern entertainment, but righteousness, that which is in action and motivation attains to God's standards of excellence, must be the water we bathe our minds in. How can you expect to enter your parenting for the day with the remnants of that TV drama still hanging onto your mind? Everyone in that series was using everyone else to get ahead. There's greed, sexuality, pride, and selfishness at every turn. How will a mind filled with those thoughts help to parent peacefully? The fourth way we need to think is purely, immaculately, purified from every fault. See, the rotten apple metaphor works well here. Be careful that something that's mostly good doesn't crack the door for worse influences later on. If it's not purely holy, don't think about it. Our thoughts also need to be lovely. This is the only time this word is used in the New Testament. It has the idea of being pleasing and agreeable. Paul has a wonderful way of layering on his adjectives in a way as to leave no room for misunderstanding. Yes, your thoughts need to be true, honorable, righteous, and pure, but they must also be lovable. Ask yourself, would God love what I'm thinking about right now? Does God love how I've been thinking today? If we want peace, our thoughts also need to be reputable. This word is similar to being honorable, but it carries the added idea of being well-spoken of. Do people who love the Lord and His truth speak well of the things that occupy my mind? This is an important reminder that wise counselors are really valuable. If they don't agree with the things that have occupied my thoughts or the ways in which I've been interpreting my circumstances, I must accept that my thoughts are not reputable. I won't be at peace with disreputable thinking. Our thoughts also need to be excellent. This word denotes moral excellence necessary in the outworking of faith. Paul encourages us to think on anything and everything that is excellent. Is there any excellence, he asks, then think on it. What expectations do you have for your children? Why do you have them? Are they excellent? And lastly, our thoughts need to be praiseworthy. As God views your mental transcript, does He turn to the angels and pronounce, Watch this, it's wonderful? Could He say to Satan, Have you considered my servant? His thoughts are praiseworthy, or Her mind is focused on what's right? I didn't want to wax too wordy with today's study, but it was imperative that we be reminded of the types of thoughts that should be allowed to thrive and the kinds that must be put to death on the spot. Lastly, I'm once again amazed by the all-inclusive generalities Paul uses. He's so incredibly certain that this is the only way to glorify God and have abiding peace that he leaves no room for thinking about anything that doesn't match this list perfectly. Moms and dads, this can be done. Don't shortchange God. If you find yourself thinking, that's too hard, or I've tried it and it doesn't work, or but you don't know my kids, or that will never work in my home, then your thoughts are not true. Honorable, right, pure, lovely, reputable, excellent, or worthy of praise, and it's no wonder you feel hopeless. I'm not surprised you're struggling with depression, fear, and anger with thoughts like that. Your mindset is not in line with God's prescription for correct thinking, and you will not have peace as long as you entertain those thoughts. Please accept the reality that God's way is the only way to have lasting soul rest. I'd like to give a huge thank you to Ray and Carolyn, who are beloved patrons of Truth Love Parent. Their support has helped us to grow and reach more searching families. And if you're interested in how you can support the ministry of TLP, please click the support TLP link in the description and you'll be taken to our Patreon page. Also, don't forget to check out our free episode notes and transcripts at truthloveparent.com. Next time, we'll discuss Paul's fifth and final peace prerequisite and complete the picture of the truly peaceful parent who's able to weather the most difficult family storms. It's possible because our God is just that awesome. Truth, Love, parents is part of the Evermind Ministries family and is dedicated to helping you become an intentional, premeditated parent. Join us next time as we search God's Word for the truth your family needs today.